0: Well, good morning and greetings in the name of Jesus. We just want to welcome each one here this morning. It's a privilege to have some of my family here again this morning. So thank you for for being here. For a message this morning, we want to we're not going to really spend any time here in Isaiah 9, but rather we want to look at at some of the fulfillment of this prophecy, a portion of the fulfillment, and mainly mainly in verse 7, where it talks about the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end, upon the throne of David and upon His kingdom. So the last several times I've, I've preached, we've been looking in the book of Mark. We want to do that again this morning, Mark chapter 1, uh, mainly verses 14 and 15. The heading in my Bible says that this is Jesus, beginning of Jesus' ministry, and especially his ministry in Galilee, which I believe is a, is is beginning to, or is part of the fulfillment there in Isaiah chapter 9. It talks about a son being born, which I think was, was Jesus' birth, and it talks about his kingdom. And as we look at, as we look at Jesus' ministry and, and the message, we want to look a little Quite a bit of time, spend quite a bit of time this morning looking at, at the message that Jesus preached here in these two verses, the couple statements he made here, and maybe some of the meaning behind it. In Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, I just want to read those verses. It says, Now, after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, ye, and believe the gospel. There's also similar verses in in the other in the other gospels. Uh, just want to read the one in in Luke as well. Luke chapter four, verses fourteen and fifteen. It says Jesus, and Jesus returned. This would have been after. After his temp- time of temptation in the wilderness, it says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And also in, in Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4, verse 12, there's a few more verses in, in Matthew, verses, just begin reading verse 12 and read through verse 17. It says now, when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the sea coast, in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtali. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, "The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness." saw a great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. In verse 17 it says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I just find it really interesting to read some of these prophecies in the Old Testament and then to see them just be fulfilled exactly as it was as it was said it would be. I believe some of them, a lot of them, a lot of the prophecies also have a a future fulfillment as well. And as we look at how perfectly they were fulfilled in our past, I believe they will just as perfectly be fulfilled in the future as well. So it tells us that it tells us there in, in Isaiah that he would come from from uh, those those Zebulun and and Naphtali, and in in Matthew it says that's that's exactly where he came. That's where he came back to, town called uh, Capernaum, which was right on the edge of the Sea of Galilee. And as we as we go throughout Jesus' ministry here on this earth, there was Capernaum is mentioned quite a few times. He, it seemed like his, kind of became his home or his. Uh, where he often went back to for, for a time of rest, or when he tried to get rest, he would often come back there, and he would go you know, across the Sea of Galilee there. But many times the crowds just followed him wherever he went. But we could maybe call it kind of the base of his ministry. Capernaum, I believe, was a very, a very busy city with, with quite a number of people. So that's where, that's where Jesus came back, after his, after his temptation, he came, he came there to that town. It was just after John the Baptist was, was put into prison, and now Jesus begins his, begins his ministry. It tells us that he, he came into Galilee preaching. And I've I've often wondered what it was like to hear many times we think of Jesus as as a teacher, that he would sit, you know, there'd be people sitting in the grass, he'd be up on the mountainside and he'd be teaching them. But it tells us he came he came preaching. He came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And the word the word preach here just in, in the Greek, it just simply means to to herald or to proclaim. I think that's that's just exactly what Jesus did. He came to to proclaim God's plan for for mankind he came to to proclaim God's plan for for himself so Jesus message here was the kingdom the gospel of the kingdom of God and I believe we probably all know the word the word gospel we means good news so he was telling the good news of the kingdom of God So as we look a little deeper into this Jesus' message here, what was what is the kingdom of God? Once again, I went go back into the Old Testament. Several verses in in Daniel where this kingdom is is foretold, this kingdom is prophesied. It says in Daniel chapter two and verse forty four And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. It doesn't just say that this kingdom is, is going to last forever. It does say that it will last forever, but it says more than that. It says it will not be left to other people, which I think just simply means that the king will never change. As we look at other, all, all the countries in the world throughout all of history, There's some countries that have stood for a long, long time, but there was, the king would only last for maybe a max of 40, 50, 60 years, probably at the max. There was, you know, the king would eventually, the kingdom would be left to another person. But this kingdom that, that Jesus came preaching, this kingdom that is prophesied about throughout the Old Testament, Daniel says here that the kingdom shall not be left to other people the same King will rule forever the same Kingdom will stand with the same King and then in Daniel chapter 7 verse 13 and 14 says I saw in the night vision and behold one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people nations and languages shall serve him His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. And I believe when Jesus came to this earth, Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, I believe these prophecies were were fulfilled, but I believe there will be I believe there will be more they will be fulfilled completely when Jesus returns again. We believe Jesus is, Jesus is, is ruling, Jesus is a king. The Bible tells us that, but I believe there will be a time when he will be the only king. All others will be completely subdued. I believe the, the kingdom of God in, involves four I just want to look at four uh, we could say interrelated concepts here four things that that the kingdom of god consists of that we can that we can find in the bible the first one is is just simply god's kingship god's rule god's sovereignty he is as i mentioned he is the only king he is the only ruler the term the term kingdom as as the jews would refer to it sometimes Many, many times it had more the idea of, of a rule or a, uh, a dominion and not so much like a physical area. I believe, I believe the people of Israel understood that, that as God, God being their king was more, Jesus being their king was, was, was greater than just a physical area. I believe that understanding was probably more so after Jesus was here, after he rose, after he ascended. The, the disciples in the early church, I believe, had that understanding a bit more than, than before that. They were still looking for a Messiah that would, would actually set up a physical kingdom. But, but as they began to understand that, that, that this kingdom is not so much a physical Geographical area, but it's more of a—it's uh, more of just simply the idea of ruling or having dominion over over everything. Just just God's God's sovereignty. I believe another aspect of the kingdom of God is that the way the way we see it today, the way we experience God's kingdom today, is is in the spiritual sense more so. It's not. As I mentioned, it's not so much a, a physical kingdom. In John chapter 18. John chapter 18 and verse 36. Actually, I think I'll begin reading verse 33. This is when Jesus was brought before Pilate. It says in verse 33 that Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? And then Pilate answers again. He says, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? And then Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. Then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered unto the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. And then Pilate asks again, Art thou a king then? And Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. I think Jesus makes it really clear here that He is a King. That's the reason He came to this world. That's the reason He's here. That's why He was born. But He said, "I bear witness of the truth." I believe He was saying that He is he, His kingdom is truth. He is a King of truth. He's not here to overthrow Pilate's position. He's not here to overthrow the the Roman government, the Roman Empire, or any other empire in the world. But He's here as a king of truth. He's here to rule in the hearts of people. Romans 14, verse 17 there, the last part of the verse says that the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. I believe another part of God's kingdom today is Although, it, although it's spiritual, I believe it's still important that, that the world can see God's kingdom or God's, God as being king. And the way I believe that that is manifested today is, is through the church. Through the group, through the people that believe in God. As Christians today gather in as, as the church, I believe that is the, the way that God wants the rest of the world to see his kingdom, to have a glimpse of his kingdom, to have a glimpse of, of who he is. And I believe this, this church is just simply a, a group of people who, in whose hearts God reigns as sovereign ruler. God reigns as the king of truth. It's interesting that throughout the, the New Testament, a lot of Paul's teachings and his, his letters to the churches, there's times when he uses the word church and the word, the word kingdom kind of interchangeably. And the different comments that he makes to these churches, uh, in, in Colossians 1 verse 13, Paul, as he's praying for the Colossians there, he, he says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son? And then in 1 Thessalonians, I'll just turn there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Beginning in verse 12, it says that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you into his kingdom and glory. In verse 13, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye receive the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh in you that believe. I'll read verse 14 yet as well. It says, For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. So there again, he says, You have received the word of God. It's not the word of men. But you walk worthy of God. And he called, he called them into his, into his kingdom. And also as, you as, uh, can also see it in, in Revelation. Mel has been going through the, the churches there in Revelation. I'll just read a verse in, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 9. It says, I, John, who am also your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle which is called Patmos for the Word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. So as he finishes up his instruction to the churches there, John just introduces himself as as a brother and a companion in, in the kingdom. And then as I mentioned, there's also a I think the the fourth the fourth part of, of the kingdom that we want to see here this morning is is the future element, the future element to God's kingdom. And Jesus talks quite a bit about that as well. Matthew chapter 25, as I mentioned, there's also quite a few prophecies in the Old Testament of the future element, the one there in, in Daniel, when God will be the only, the only king. And then in Matthew 25, verse 31 through 46 this is just Jesus Jesus during his teaching telling about about the final judgment it says when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered all nations and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And then he goes on there and 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 talks about the difference between the righteous and the unrighteous and their answer to his his questions. And he and he, he ends the the passage there or his teaching there with with the with the judgment, the the eternal, the eternal place where each group will, will be. And it says, the king shall answer in verse 40, talking now to the, to the righteous. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. And then he gives them the the promise of of being with him forever. And I believe that's that's a, a future aspect of God's kingdom. Those who are faithful. Those who are faithful will have the opportunity to to enjoy God's God's kingdom, God's kingship in its fullest. Yes, we can we can experience it today. We can God God rules in our heart, and yet there's many, there's many. Uh, what do we say, roadblocks or things we face today that, that I believe when God, when God completes His kingdom and when we fully live in that after, after this final judgment, God will, God will rule, there will be no more sin, there will be nothing to, to hinder us from, from just serving God. And then also Paul to the Corinthians in, in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verse 49, let Let's read several verses here as well. It says, as we have borne the image of the earth, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. And verse fifty-seven says, "But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through Jesus, through our Lord Jesus Christ." So again, a future aspect of of God's kingdom, when there will be no more corruption, no more earthly but it will only be God ruling as supreme. But I believe it for us today, the, the kingdom of God needs to be real to us today as well, the present and yes, in the future as well. I believe presently, as I mentioned, it is found wherever God's sovereignty is accepted in the hearts of men, and it is made manifest it is manifested to the world through the church. I just want to read a few verses yet in Second in Peter concerning the, the future of, of the kingdom. Second Peter, chapter three. Verse 10 10 through 13. It says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, the elements melt with a fervent heat, the earth also and the works thereof, the works therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of the of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, the elements melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Again, just a reminder of, he asked there, what manner of persons should we be? We believe this is true. We believe this will happen. He's calling us to think about how we live today. And this is reserved for those who are faithful. These these blessings of of dwelling where God rules is reserved for those who are faithful. As I said, the the church is the one who is I believe the church is is how the world can see God's kingdom today. So I believe it is still important. It tells us in, in Mark that Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. I believe it's important that we today also preach this gospel, teach of this gospel. And we can see that as we, as we move through the New Testament after the gospels into the early church, throughout Acts and the, the different letters to the churches. I think it's, it's obvious that they continued preaching that gospel. They continued Preaching what Jesus had, had come preaching. In Acts chapter 8, verse 12 says, But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So it's 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 obvious here that, that Philip was preaching. He was preaching the kingdom of God, he was preaching in the name of Christ, and many people believed. And then throughout Acts, there's quite a few accounts of the Apostle Paul. In Acts chapter 14, verse 22, he gives a list or he talks there about the, the challenges or the, the difficulties, the things that we face, just say the challenges of, of entering the kingdom, the things that it takes to… the struggle it can be between the, the flesh and, and doing what God wants of us. In Acts 19… In verse 8, it tells us that he reasoned and disputed concerning the kingdom of God. And in Acts twenty twenty-five, Paul went to the Ephesians preaching the kingdom of God. And then during, his, during Paul's time in, in Rome when he was in prison there or under house arrest, there's quite a few verses throughout Acts 28 where it talks of him testifying of the kingdom of God. I think Paul's life was, I think that's what he spent his life doing, just simply testifying and preaching this kingdom of God. And then Paul wrote in in many of his letters, he wrote in Romans 14 of of the nature of the kingdom of God. In in 1 Corinthians and also Galatians, he talks about those who will not inherit the kingdom of God. Just turn to the verse there in Galatians. Galatians five verse. Galatians five verse twenty one. Well, it backs up a little there, a little further, but we'll just start in verse twenty one. Just break in there. He's giving a list of things, a list of, of wicked things here. He says envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, are the things are of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past. That they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God." But then in the last several verses there, he says, "But of the fruit of the spirit, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So just again, he was, he, was giving, he was giving warnings, giving warnings about, about actions, about the way of living that will, that will bar us from this kingdom of God. It tells us in 1 Corinthians that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And then in Hebrews, we read of, of receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. So I believe this, this good news of the kingdom of God that Jesus was preaching here in, in Galilee is something that we also need to continue to preach today. It is, it is, I believe, partially fulfilled, whereas we can have God, the kingdom of God, we can be part of that in a spiritual sense today, but I believe it will be fulfilled further in the future. So as we look at verse 15 now, here in Mark chapter 1, it said in 14, he was preaching the kingdom of God, and then he said in verse 15, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he says, repent ye and believe. Repent ye and believe the gospel. I believe Jesus also preached Repentance. So what does repentance mean? What does it mean to repent? According to uh, Vine's, Vine's dictionary, it says repentance is a change of mind, and it involves both a turning from sin and a turning toward God. Jesus asked them to repent. John the Baptist had also asked people to repent. I believe repentance. Repentance is, in, is, in, is an important. Repentance is the only way to accept God's kingdom, to turn from sin, turn from our wicked ways, and turn to God. Second Corinthians seven verse ten says, "For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death." I believe repentance then must be followed by a changed life. It just simply means it's, it takes a change, it means a change of direction. A change of direction follows repentance. So we look at the, there's a passage in 2 Corinthians where Paul is, is, he's rejoicing in the repentance that he saw in the church there. They had a, an issue they were dealing with there and and their repentance brought him joy. I'll just read a verse there, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 11. It says, For behold behold the selfsame thing that ye sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, yea, what clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, Yea, what revenge. In all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. So this this issue they were dealing with, they, re, they repented of it. And Paul just gives a list of things there that it, it did. It, it cleared themselves. They cleared themselves. It gave them a, a vehement desire. It gave them a zeal. And it, it, just, it just cleared them of the matter. And I think that's just a very... If we, want, if we want to follow God, if we want to be part of that kingdom, it's important that we just clear ourselves before God. It's important that we repent. It's important that, that, we, that we have that godly sorrow that brings us to that repentance. Jesus, Jesus was calling the people in, in Mark, he was calling the people to make a decision he was calling them to repent because this kingdom of God is at hand this the kingdom of God is is coming. And I believe that is still the call today. We still need to call people to a decision, call people to repentance. Even even today. In Luke chapter 24 verse 44 This was Jesus appearing to his disciples after his after his resurrection. And he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. And it tells us in verse 45, then open he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, thus it is written. And thus it behoved Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. he says, And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem, until, until ye be endued with power from on high. So Jesus directly instructed His disciples to, to preach repentance and remission of sins in His name. It tells them among all nations. It tells them to start at Jerusalem, but to preach it among all nations. And as we go on throughout Acts, we see, we see them doing that. And as we go throughout, you look at, at uh, early church history and and even today there's there's many there are many missions there are many ways of of doing that and i believe it's important that we also that we also do it at home he asked them to begin to begin right where they were they were in jerusalem at that time he told them to begin there i believe god calls us to to that today as well to begin where you are in this calling people to repentance and remission of sins I believe whenever God's kingdom is proclaimed it must include a call to repentance Acts 20 verse 21 says testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ any teaching any teaching of the kingdom of God that does not include the call to repentance is not the true is not the true gospel. We cannot be part of God's kingdom and expect to just continue living as we were. This decision, the decision to turn from sin and into God's kingdom then, I believe, also involves faith, which Jesus refers to here in in Mark chapter 1. He says, repent and believe the gospel. And in order to believe these teachings, in order to believe what the, Bible has, what the Bible tells us, it does take faith. We weren't there. We didn't hear Jesus' actual words. It does take faith. I believe faith is, according to the, the Bible dictionary, faith is the persuasion that a certain statement is true. And the, the primary idea here is, is trust. We believe that what Jesus told Pilate there about being a king of truth. We believe that by faith. Hebrews eleven verse one says, "Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen." I believe faith. Faith plays, as I mentioned, faith plays an important, an important part of us. Our our believing today. We cannot see the whole picture. We can see. Probably probably more than what, obviously more than what the, the people of the Old Testament did. They had, the, they had the prophecies, they had to go in faith that there would be a Messiah. We can see that part of it, and yet we go in faith that he will return again and, and bring us all unto himself. But We're told in 1 in Peter that Jesus reigns at God's right hand even today. And we're told in in Matthew chapter 28, we often refer to as the the Great Commission, the last several verses in Matthew chapter 28, verse, verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, talking of his disciples, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And in verse 19, he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. In verse 20, teaching them, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Again, Jesus asking his followers, and I believe this is for us today as well, just asking his followers to continue and sharing the message that, that he preached there in, in Galilee. And then in closing, I just want to read a few verses yet in, in 1 Corinthians 15. Again, a more uh, a future aspect of, of the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning verse 24. It says, Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and authority and power, for he must reign, I think this is speaking of Jesus, he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, for he hath put all things under his feet, but when he saith, all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Again, I think the emphasis here is just God reigning as the only king. It says, God may be all in all. His kingdom will last forever and he will be the only king forever and ever. Shall we kneel for prayer?